what was only going to be last week's message. We were talking about renewing our mind and, and the quick background of this series is called Outgrown. It's called Outgrown because you outgrow things in your life physically and spiritually. And, and, and one of the things, hopefully, as believers, we are outgrowing is, is man, what some of the church in the U.S. especially preaches, but is a legalistic mindset that somehow our faith is based on what we do or what we can accomplish, good or bad. We actually sang about that already this morning, that I'll rest in your promises. Why do we rest in his promises? Because it's not up to us to make that stuff happen. The first and most amazing promise we should all be rejoicing about every day, every minute of the day is salvation. The promise of salvation because of Jesus is the greatest gift any one of us will ever receive. Hands down, no questions asked. There is nothing greater than salvation. And you know what the best thing about salvation is? Is that it is a gift. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And once we receive it, for some reason, just like the church in Galatians, uh, you read about this in Galatians chapter 3, they received salvations, uh, salvation. And then Paul wrote to them in Galatians 3. He said, you knew that this was about Jesus. Why have you fallen back into the mindset that the Holy Spirit is with you because of what you have done? And Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14 are all about Paul saying, remember, remember, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. So many times, even in life as believers, we think that if we can get things together, we'll be in right standing with God. If I can break this habit, if I can do this right, if I can stop doing this wrong, then God will listen to me. Then God will receive me. But that's not how we got saved, and it's not how our relationship with God moves forward. It is never based on us. It is based on Jesus. And Paul says over and over again. He even says in Galatians 3, I believe it's 12, he said, did the Holy Spirit work miracles in your life because of your good behavior? No. Even miracles operating in our life are not based on what we do, but what Jesus did. And if we believe, that is the requirement. So we are outgrowing an old way of thinking that our salvation in any small portion is about us. And when you put it like that, it really makes sense, right? I, I think every Christian can, can, can say, hey, it's all about Jesus. We got songs we sing, it's all about you, it's all about you, but then in our life sometimes we make it about us, especially when we make mistakes, we make it about us. Yeah. Well, I made a mistake, now I know he's not hearing my prayers. I made a mistake, now I know he's not happy with me. I've made a mistake, now I know I gotta go do this or that, no. Hebrews chapter 12 says that when we look to Jesus, we lay aside those things that easily beset us. Yes. We look to him because it's all about him. We're outgrowing that old way of thinking. And as we grow into this new way of thinking, new way of looking at our life that it's all about Jesus, you will see more good things, more good works even, in your life as a result of that thinking. Because right living does not produce right believing. It's the opposite. Right believing produces the right living. Looking to Jesus produces 
the best behavior. Looking to Jesus will keep you on your feet where when somebody is walking past you in a target or something and they need a moment with Jesus, looking to Jesus will even put your attention in that moment and you'll be ministering to people more than you ever thought possible. Sometimes in moments you never thought you'd be ministering to somebody because you're looking to Jesus. When you're looking to Jesus and you're not looking at your own mistakes, man, the enemy even uses our attention on our own bad behavior to tempt us with more bad behavior. I, I used this example a few weeks ago, but the people I know who have smoked and been addicted to cigarettes and then have stopped have always said the worst moment is when you walk outside and you see somebody smoking. That's when you want one. Can you imagine just staring at that pack of cigarettes saying, I don't want to smoke you. I don't want to smoke you. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not. That makes you want it more. But when you put that aside and you put your attention and your focus on Jesus, I'm telling you, you're going to kick that habit even faster than you ever wanted to kick that habit. And you should kick that habit. It's bad. Andrew always, my friend Andrew Olmack always says, smoking won't send you to hell, but it sure will get you to heaven faster. <laughs> But once we get there, once we outgrow that old way of thinking, just like everything else in life, we have to stop ourselves from going back, going back to our comfort zone. Because yes. how many times in life do we get out of our comfort zones and we think, ooh, I should go back? How many times have you started a new job and you know, it, it's a better job, it's better pay, it's something you've always wanted to do, and you get there and within those first few days you get so intimidated, you think, ooh, I wonder if they'll give me my old job back. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I wonder if they'll still give me my old job back here. But you know what? You press through, and I'm telling you, you're going to get to where you've always wanted to be. But how do you stop yourself from going back to this old way of thinking? Well, Paul writes about it in Romans 12, chapter 2. He says, renew your mind. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, so many times, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. This might be the last time I say it. Why do we put the emphasis on be a new person, change your behavior? No, Paul says you'll become a new person by changing the way you think. You've got to think right and the behavior will follow. You know, technically, even scientifically, all of your behavior starts where? Right here. With the thought, even if you don't physically know that you're thinking it, I can't even move my arm up and down without my brain telling my arm to do this. Everything starts here and then moves out. Every behavior, I, I, I don't understand when people talk about willful and unwillful sin. Everything you ever do, you have willed yourself to do. If not anything else, because of habit, because of culture, because you just think it's the way it's done. You have thought through and willfully done everything you've ever done. It's just the truth. But if we can let God change the way we think, I love what he says next. It's one of my favorite verses. Then you will know God's will. How many of you have played that prayer before? I want to know God's will. You will know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh, I love it. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. In other words, if we're not allowing our mind to be renewed, our comfort zone, we're gonna fall back into thinking and then behaving like this world thinks and behaves. And if you have eyes on this world 
in any shape or form right now, I doubt you want to go around acting or thinking like this world. Because if you do, you probably wake up every morning afraid and go to bed every night afraid. You probably wake up and go to bed with very uh, negative, negative way with a negative outlook. I don't want to think like the world. I definitely don't want to behave like the world. So once we have a new way of thinking, we have to, it's up to us to keep our mind renewed to the word, renewed to the new way of thinking, and we won't fall back. I had six ways I thought I would get through last week on how, how to help yourself keep your mind renewed. There's so many we could talk about. I kind of landed on six. They're all extremely practical. I love practical messages that I can just apply to my life in that moment. So that's what this is. Last week, we got through three of them. If you want more details on those three, listen to the podcast, watch last week's message. Uh, but those three were, number one, there is no replacement for it. I'm not going to, I said it last week, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because we just did a whole series about how important the Word of God is. And spoiler, there's nothing more important than the Word of God in your life or in your relationship with the Lord. But keep yourself in the Word. That is the number one way to keep your mind renewed to the Word. It's very practical. However, these are not just practical words. These are spiritual. These were around before the beginning of time. John chapter 1 verse 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. These are not regular words. They go into your brain and they move around and they get planted like a seed and they grow. This is the best way ever and the most efficient way to keep your mind renewed Read the word every day. Get your notes. I mean, like physically, read the word. Listen to the audio Bible. Put this into your brain every day. Again, watch the last series called The Good Fight if you want to hear a ton about what the word does in your life and how important it is. Uh, the second thing we talked about last week was uh, Thanksgiving. Keep a heart and an attitude of thankfulness. You can force yourself in the middle of the day to stop and be thankful especially living here in the U.S., you could be thankful literally every time you turn your water on and have running water in your house, right? You could take that moment and just thank God that you're not like a huge percentage of this world that literally has to walk for hours every day sometimes just to get a little bit of clean water. Yeah. Our life does not revolve around finding clean water in the U.S. And that in and of itself is something to be thankful for, maybe when we're brushing our teeth in the morning. But what Thanksgiving does is it's a key. It unlocks so many amazing things in your life. One, it also puts your focus and your attention directly on the Lord, which is what we've been talking about here, keeping our mind renewed, keeping our focus on Him instead of ourselves. Thankfulness, uh, we, we talked more about it last week, so go back and watch that. But thankfulness, the third thing we, I talked about last week uh, was reinforcing positive events, especially positive events in your own life, right? Uh, there's a lot of negative things that happen in the world. We need to be aware. We need to know how to pray. We need to know what's going on around us. We do live in this world, even though we're not of this world, so we need to be informed. However, this is really, a, a, I do hope that you're also finding positive things to it. For every negative event you post about on Facebook, find one positive thing to post as well. But however, in your own life, 
How many of us, the first time something bad happens, the first time somebody does us wrong, what we do is we get on the phone and we got to tell somebody. Let me tell you what just happened. How many times do we get on the phone and call somebody when something awesome happens? Let me tell you what just happened. Uh, there's this amazing neuroscientist I was listening to, and she said that for you to remember something, you have to intake the information and then have some outtake. You have to hear it and then recite it. That could include taking notes, writing it down, or talking to somebody. At the end of the day, if you have reinforced things that have happened to you that were negative three or four times, that's going to be what you remember. That's going to be what your focus is on. But you know what? Something good has happened to you today. Something good has already happened to you right now. And I want to encourage you to reinforce those events within yourself and even with others. Lisa and I spend every day talking about the blessings that we received that day. We used to write it down in a notebook every night. And I told you all last week, we're going to go back to that. We're going to write down every good thing that happened to us at the end of the day. When you were in Sunday school, your Sunday school teacher called that counting your blessings. And it is a powerful practice. Yes. It really is. And it will help your mind stay in a place where it can be renewed to the word and not renewed, really, to the world. It's up to us what we're going to renew our mind to. The world or the word. All right, so that was the first three. Stay in the word. Thanksgiving. Reinforce positive events. These last three I'm going to talk about. Uh, number four here. This is the one you haven't heard about. And I'm telling you, when I say practical, it's practical. Be active. I mean that. And it's practical, but be active. Get some exercise. Do some things. Walk outside. Don't just stay inside sitting in a chair all day long. I know some of you, that's your jobs. Some of you have to make more of an attempt to be active than others. Some of us have active jobs. But part of what happens when you're an active uh, a person is your body physically becomes healthier, right? We have bodies that we live in, right? We are a spirit. Our spirit's going to live forever. We live in these bodies, and as long until Jesus comes back or until we die, listen, these bodies, they're not perfect, right? They are not perfect. One day we'll have new bodies. I'm looking forward to that. Right now, we got these imperfect bodies that sometimes break down a little bit. Sometimes they get a little sick. Sometimes we look in the mirror, we look a little bit different, right? So we have to stay active. We have to exercise. We have to, to eat right and things like that. And I'm telling you, when we physically feel better, we will be way more likely to then reinforce the positive events. Wake up early and spend time with the Lord. I want to be healthy enough to when the Lord says go, I can just get up and go. Wouldn't that be sad if the Lord said, listen, go, I'm sending you. And you have to say, I, I can't even get up right now. Give me a few months. Give me a year or so. Let me do my best to get in shape and then I'm going to go. But why don't we keep the temple of the Holy Spirit in good enough shape to where when the Lord says go, we can go. To when the Lord wakes you up at two in the morning and says, hey, let's spend some time together. We're healthy enough to pop up out of bed and say, you know what? I feel good. I don't feel bad. If you wake up every morning physically feeling bad, I believe we're way less likely to jump up all chip or open up our Bible and smile and say, all right, Lord, what do we have today? It's a little bit harder, right? It's a little bit easier to reach over and hit the snooze button when we don't wake up feeling well. Now, listen, I know we go through stuff. I know sometimes our bodies get attacked with sickness and things like that. And there's some things that are attacks, right? But with what I can help, I want to help the best I can. 
There's even, uh, there's even this, this great thing that's released in our brain when we're active called endorphins that physically make us feel good. It's a little something that God put into our bodies that when we are active, these endorphins get released and it makes us feel euphoric. That's the, good, that's the definition for what these endorphins do. And when we are living a lifestyle where we're active, we're doing the things, and, and our body is even releasing this and saying, man, doesn't, we, doesn't this feel good? Doesn't it feel good to go out and walk around the block a little bit? To, to take your kids to the park, to go have some batting practice with your son, to do something, to be active. Get up early. And out. You don't have to do anything intense, but get up and move around. Because when our bodies feel good, we are going to be way more likely to actually do the things like get into the Word. Go when the Lord says go. Pray when He says it's time to pray. I believe this is why Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says physical exercise does do good. He actually, that's in the Bible. My, my wife pointed out to me one time because I run every day. She said, you know what else is in the Bible? It says only, only the ungodly run with nobody chasing them. It's in Proverbs. It says, only a criminal runs when nobody is chasing him. She's like, what did you do? Right. I don't know. I just like to run. Lisa, here's how different Lisa and I are. There's this giant hill in our neighborhood. It, it's a pretty steep hill right before you get to our house. So I run a 5K every day. And on purpose, the last thing I do is that super steep hill. I've never stopped on it once. Rain or shine, uh, thunderstorm, whatever, snow. I uh, haven't had much snow in the last three years, but I've never stopped on that hill. And one day Lisa says, why do you do this every morning? I said, well, what I love is that every day I wake up and I, I, I have time in the Word, and then I run, and I run up this hill. And that means that like within the first hour or so of the day, I can already say that I've done something hard. I just love that I've already done something hard right as the day. And she just stared at me and said, that is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. She said... At the end of the day, when I lay down, I think, awesome, I didn't do anything hard today. I had so much fun. She's like, my first thought is I go for fun every day. If I lay down and haven't done something fun, that day was wasted. She's like, you waste your day if you don't think you've done something hard? And I was like, we are very different people. We are very different. But thank God for our kids' sake that we got one parent that wants to make sure we have fun every day and one parent that wants to make sure we do a little something hard every day. Uh, but don't underestimate the power of doing everything in your power to be healthy. Uh, I mean, change your diet if you don't feel good every day. We're supposed to feel good. God made our bodies to feel good. Uh, feeling bad physically is part of the curse. You think Adam and Eve felt bad physically? No, they didn't. Feeling bad physically is part of the curse that we have been redeemed from. We put ourselves in position to feel bad so that we can barely wake up. And again, I say this a lot. I want to say it again right now. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Uh, this is an invitation. This is an invitation for me. As much as I run, I know I got 15, 20 pounds that make me not feel great every day. So I'm on a journey. I'm inviting you to go on a journey. Let's do this together. But let's take care of our temple. Maybe we should focus a little bit less about like, I don't know, tattoos and things like that defiling the temple and maybe what we're putting into the temple. Maybe what is coming out with exercise and, 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 and being active. But, but do something. Do something you enjoy. Be active. And I'm telling you, it will actually help you 
in our life of renewing our mind to the Word. Number five, meditate well. Meditate used to scare a lot of people, especially in the 90s, that word. Uh, but it's all through the Word. I know I wasn't allowed to watch Ninja Turtles because they were ninjas that practiced meditation. Mom was like, nope, we don't do that. We do not meditate in our house. Uh, of course, I got a little bit older, and I'm like, well, this is all through the word. Really, meditate just means what's going on in your mind. That's what the word meditate means. So if, if you're afraid of that word, don't be anymore. Uh, Paul uses it so many times. Meditate well. There's something going on in your mind at all times. That is what you are meditating on. So here's how we can keep our mind renewed to the word, to the Lord, to his call. Meditate well. There is a difference between meditating well and meditating unwell. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, that Paul wrote from a prison. Yeah. He said this, don't worry about anything. Worry is negative meditation. Worry is meditating unwell. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. You could say meditate on what is true honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Remember we talked about reinforcing positive events? Think about things that are worthy of praise. Worry is negative meditation, and it's the opposite of renewing your mind to the word. Worry is renewing your mind to the world. Because there are laws in the spirit. There's also laws in the world. Isn't that one, people say it's Newton's law. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Is that the one they say, Newton's? Murphy's law, whatever, see? My mind is so unrenewed to that, I don't even know the right law name. Newton's law is gravity, right? Gravity. My little sister, my little sister, when she was like four and learned about gravity, she used to pick stuff up and be like, that's gravity. <laughs> like she discovered something. She would just throw stuff. That's gravity. Um, worry is renewing your mind right. to the world, and it's literally just negative meditation. Mm -hmm. Worry is something that our flesh will have us do any moment in time. It can have us do it, right? Fixing our thoughts on what is... It's literally... And here's the crazy thing about worry. If we really get into it, right, we have a gift it's called the imagination. It's actually written about throughout the word. Uh, a lot of the times King James uses this translation, the eyes of your understanding, but it's talking about your actual imagination. Now, doesn't it kind of seem silly to think about sitting around picturing something positive happening, picturing a positive outcome of a situation? For some reason in our flesh, that seems silly, but worry is literally just using our imagination to picture the negative outcome. Right. You have to use your imagination to worry. Just yeah. use it for what it was meant to. Ephesians 1.8 says, let the eyes of your understanding become enlightened by the hope of your calling. In other words, when we sit around picturing the things God has called us to do, picturing us living the life God has called us to live, that's not something that's just going to build us up to let us down. That is going to be something that directs our faith 
It's going to point our faith in the right direction. And then instead of using our imaginations for worry, we're going to be using it to see the things God has called us to see. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. Use your faith. Use your imagination to see things that you don't see in the natural. Use your imagination to see yourself waking up in the morning and feeling great, feeling uh, within our body, in our own mind. Picture that when you go to sleep instead of picturing yourself waking up. Okay, when I wake up, I'm going to hit the snooze button one time, and then I'm going to do my best to sit up. And, and I remember from yesterday, if I sit up, if I turn to the left first and then the right, it doesn't hurt as bad. And then if I stand up slowly, the knees don't hurt so much, right? Stop picturing all that. Picture yourself waking up in the morning, popping up when that alarm goes off, standing up, going and grabbing your Bible, spending time with the Lord, right? Picture yourself living a full life, walking out the calling that God has called you to. Use your imagination for what it was meant to do. Where is that from? We just read it. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Am I saying ignore the negative stuff that goes on in this world? If you haven't heard me say this already, you're just not listening. I'm not saying that. We need to know what's going on. We need to know how to pray. As God's church, we need to know what the hands and feet of Jesus need to be doing in this world. That's up to us. It's up to us to go out and see the changes that we know we need to see. We got to go make those things happen. So we need to know that. But what if we use our imaginations instead of thinking, boy, it's bad, it's just going to get worse. What is going on out there? What if we use our imagination and said, Jesus, how would you respond to this if you were here? There's this thing on the news that's happening. The government is doing this. This country's doing this. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Jesus, how would you respond? Mm -hmm. What would you be saying? What are you saying? How are you responding? There was a lot of political stuff going on in Jesus' time, too. You know, his people, the nation that he came to save, didn't even have a country or a land to call their own when Jesus walked around. They were captives in a foreign land when Jesus showed up on the scene. They were serving a government that was not set up by the Lord. They were serving the Roman government. There was a lot of stuff going on that we can relate to right now if we knew about it. Pick up the Bible and read about it. So stay active, meditate well. I told you this is a very, very practical message. And here's the last thing that I wanna talk about. This sixth thing that we can do, apply to our lives to keep our mind renewed, or you could say it this way, in reference to things like staying active, things we can do that would put us in a place where we are more likely to keep our mind renewed than go to negative places. Number six is be an encourager. That's good. Be an encourager. If you look up the word encourage, it's based on the word courage, and it means to put courage into someone. Discourage 
means to take courage out of someone. Hopefully that puts discouragement into a different light for you. But man, the, the people that we read about in the Word from the New Testament, like Paul, to the Old Testament, like David, boy, they knew how to encourage not just others, even themselves. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes everything around you looks like it's just falling apart. It's just you and God. And God's saying, hey, what do you think about this? And you might need to, in that moment, know the word well enough to be able to encourage not only anybody else, but yourself. David was an encourager. He's the guy that when he showed up on the scene and Goliath was taunting uh, the army of Israel, saying, who are you? Who, who is your God? You can't, he can't save you from me. Send out your champion. And they were too scared to do it. David's the one that was walking around the camp saying, who is this guy? He's been out here taunting y'all for how many days? How many weeks? And nobody has stood up to him? Yeah, he's saying he's big, but does he not know what we know? That we have a God that has given us promises and a covenant? This guy doesn't even have a covenant. He's an unclean Philistine. He can't stand up against any one of us. David was an encourager, and I bet you he was even encouraging himself a little bit in that moment. And we get some insight into even how he did that sometimes in the Psalms. In Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He's commanding himself to turn his attention towards the God of the armies of Israel, towards the God of the angel armies. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits. He's reminding himself right now that I have promises. As a child of God, this might look bleak around me, but remember, self, we have promises. I have a God who says he won't leave me or forsake me. I have a God who says I am the head and not the tail. I have a God that says he'll fight my battles, that he's already won, that salvation belongs to the Lord. The government rests upon his shoulders. Soul, bless the Lord. Remember his benefits. If you can't encourage somebody else, you probably have a hard time encouraging yourself as well. If you have a hard time with encouragement, you think nobody speaks into my life positively. There's not really anybody that grabs me and says you're doing a good job. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Go find somebody else and tell them what you need to hear. Go find somebody else and grab them and say, hey, you're all right. God's got your back. I'm right here beside you. Go encourage somebody else if you are a person in need of encouragement. Feeling sorry for yourself will keep you down faster and harder than just about anything else out there. Feeling sorry for yourself is probably the number one way we keep our eyes on ourselves instead of Jesus. Man, for a free, for a free group of people talking about believers, for a people that have been given salvation, for people that have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, we got a lot of believers that like to feel sorry for themselves. You know, that happened a couple of times in the Bible. And one time Elijah said, I'm the last prophet. And God said, stop sulking. I got thousands more just like you. Some of you need to know. Some of you need to know. That you're not the last one. You're not the only person that's gone through this. You're not the person that has it worse than anybody else. In your worst moment the Lord is still with you he hasn't left you forsaken you he is by your side he is with you you gotta you gotta be an encourager if you want encouragement I'm telling you it you reap 
what you sow. And as you encourage others, you're going to be encouraging yourself as well. Isn't that good news? Amen. Be an encourager. Find somebody today. And listen, if you need somebody right now, if, if, I'm not trying to make light of your situation, but if, if you're the person that right now thinks, I just wish a, a mother or a father figure would just put their arm around me and say, you got this, you're all right, go be that for somebody else today. Find somebody that, that could look to you for some guidance and put your arm around them and say, you got this. You got this, you're all right. Let's look and see what the Lord says about your situation. You have a chance to install some courage into that person, right? Instead of discouraging them, instead of taking it out. Be an encourager. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that is six very practical ways to keep your mind renewed. I compared this last week to, uh, to getting healthy physically, right? That you got to keep yourself in that lifestyle. I remember I mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it one more time. But when everybody was doing the Atkins diet a few years ago and you cut out all the carbs and you lose like 30 pounds in a week and then you eat like two pieces of bread and 25 of those 30 pounds come back, right? You got to keep yourself uh, accountable. You got to keep your body renewed to the new lifestyle of health. And just like that, you got to keep your mind renewed to the old way of thinking that you have outgrown. Our faith is about Jesus. Our faith in every action involved in our faith is about Jesus' actions. He lived perfectly so that when we make mistakes, we find forgiveness every time in that moment. And in our worst moment as a believer, we can go to God and he's hearing us just as loudly as he was the day before, before you made that mistake. It's the absolute truth. It's all through the word of God. You can find it. If, if, again, go back and watch the last few uh, messages in this series. Listen to the podcast. Or just go home and read Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. It'll be like Paul is talking to you. He is talking to you. Just like the church in Galatians is a New Testament church, you're a part of the New Testament church. The same church the Galatians were a part of, we're a part of now. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's all stand together.